0: to Open Mic Friday on Law and Gospel on this October the 15th in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we respond to emails that we have received uh, here to Law and Gospel. Uh, Recently, I put out a book of 400 emails, and that's just a small fraction of the ones we received over the 24 years we've been on KFUO. You can get that book. It's a cost of $15. Just email me at gospel lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. And we'll be glad to send you uh, the book. So let's go to the first email. And every now and then I get a question I've never heard before. And this is a good one from Florida. Pastor Baker, I have a question on prayer and God changing his mind. If God is omniscient, how can prayer change God's mind? People often quote the Bible to me that God has changed his mind as a result of my prayer or intercession. But if God knows ahead of time what he is going to do, how am I changing his mind? A pastor once told me that we can't change God's will, but by praying, God changes me. Any thoughts would be appreciated. Well, yes, God is omniscient. And he knows what the future is going to hold, but there are occasions when, from our point of view, it appears that God is changing his mind. We're talking about second Kings, chapter 18, verse one. In the year of Hoshea, son of Eli king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Now, Ahaz was a wicked king. But Hezekiah, he was 25 years old. He reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And he really did wonderful things. He removed the high places of the idols and broke the pillars and cut down the asherah and he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that moses made for until those days the people of israel had made offerings to it he trusted in the lord the god of israel so that there was none like him among all the kings in judah nor among those who were before him then in chapter 20 it says in those days hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death and isaiah the prophet the son of amos came to him and said to him thus says the lord set your house in order for you shall die you shall not recover then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. God said, turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord and I will add 15 years to your life. So there's a biblical example. Where from our point of view, God says one thing, but the prayer of a righteous man, as it's mentioned in the New Testament, makes God do a move in a different direction. That's why prayer is important. Because without that prayer, the Bible says, you do not receive because you don't ask. And sometimes when you ask, you ask for the wrong things to make things good for you. So Hezekiah, 2 Kings 18 and 20, is a great example where God does change his mind as a result of prayer or intercession. His omniscience isn't destroyed there because. He knew that Hezekiah would pray, but put him in a position so that prayer would be used by Hezekiah. How many people are the Hezekiahs of today who, with this virus going around, pray to God that they will not fall victim to it, and that's what happens. And who knows? How many people have not prayed? And that's too bad. All right. Next email. Dear Pastor Baker, I caught what I believe to be the end of a lesson you were giving last week. If I'm not mistaken, you were discussing tithing and how it is not mentioned in the New Testament and something about sacrificing an animal if we are going to hold ourselves to the law. Could you please explain in more depth what you were talking about, as well as tithing in general? And that is a thank you, who is a vision care specialist. Okay, in the scripture, there are three laws. There are moral laws, which are basically the Ten Commandments, which don't change. Then there are ceremonial laws, sometimes attached to the Ten Commandments, but actually part of the ceremonies that the Old Testament individuals needed to follow, like circumcision, like worshiping on the Sabbath, etc. And then there are civil laws, which we no longer follow instead following our civil laws. Now, the tithe is part of the ceremonial laws. And a lot of people think that a tithe is 10% of what you make. And I've heard Christians discussing, well, is that 10% of your gross income or 10% of your prophets. And there's a lot of discussion in that area. We need to understand, if you take a look at the last chapter in Leviticus, that if you're giving animals or grain, etc., in the Old Testament books, a tithe was 10%. But if you're giving money, cash, then after selling your animals etc. Your tithe was, it's either 15% or 20%. And that's where scholars have a little difference in opinion. But it's more. But we are no longer bound to the tithe. Uh, The example I like to give is the widow's mite. How much does she give to God percentage-wise? She gave 100% all that she had, yet it was still a pitiful amount compared to the rich Pharisees, what they were giving. Yet Jesus commends her and not the Pharisees. Why? Because he says the Pharisees give from what is left over. That they have earned. And she gives, so she needs her faith that God will continue to take care of her. And so I always say if you're trying to figure out how much to give the church, figure out what you can afford. And then just go over it and let God take care of what you had decided to give. And if something happens, Let's say you lose your job and you're unable to keep up with a pledge. If you made a pledge, that's no problem from God's point of view because he understands the circumstances. So we should never worry about how much we give. You do not get more blessings from God because you give more money. No, the blessings are going to come regardless of the amount you give to church, because God regards you as someone who really loves the word. Next email. Dear Pastor Baker, as a teacher in training, and that's what I refer to folks who teach Bible class, etc., I am trying to help a lady understand law gospel She is a former Roman Catholic turned Assemblies of God. I've heard the online sermons from her pastor, and they are just awful. Most likely, they're faith-destroying from a law gospel perspective. Two years ago, her husband cheated on her after many years of marriage. He claims that the affair is over, and he is sorry. But she doesn't trust him. Because he's still doing secretive things, for example, hides his cell phone, took her name off of the phone bill, etc. Obviously, she is miserable and is considered leaving him because he's verbally abusive, like Jekyll and Hyde. I know this is out of my depth, but she's scared, because she's a stay-at-home mother, so he pays all of the bills. She is in counseling, but he won't go. I'm afraid that any counseling she's getting has been along the lines of Dobson, which, as you know, fails to properly apply law and gospel. Any help would be appreciated. Okay, the first thing I would say it is obvious that you are not a member of the Roman Catholic Church or the Assemblies of God, but you're a member of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Therefore, I would go to your pastor and share with him what you have shared with me. He's a trained theologian, having gone to the seminary hopefully for four years, having been on a vicarage, and... If you don't have a pastor, some churches are vacant, then call the district president where you are at and ask for your circuit counselor or visitor to visit with you and share that. Yes, I agree with you. As a layperson, this could be out of your depth, but there needs to be someone who finally the husband is willing to meet with. And if he's not willing to meet and he's still doing secretive things, then other action may need to be taken. And I don't know what that would be because I don't know all the circumstances, but it's not at all unusual that I have visited with husbands who have a mistress, and boy, that's a problem. Although the one time I visited, the mistress wasn't Lutheran, but was Presbyterian, and my, she heard what I had to say, and by God's grace, they broke their relationship, and he returned to his wife. So who knows? what can happen. All right, next email. My church receives issues of good news. I'm always excited to get my hands on it. Now, good news is a publication that is put out. It's You can purchase it f- for receiving four issues for $20, but they're not calendar-based. It may take two years or more for the four issues to get to you, but it is done by Reverend Schultz, who is a former speaker on the Lutheran Hour. And this lady is talking about why she's excited. In her congregation, she was asked to help a lady named Joyce, who is dying from a terminal illness. Although she was not a member of our church, she had gained the trust of our retired pastor and his wife, who were her neighbors in their retirement community. I took on the privilege of visiting her weekly. Her illness had affected her ability to speak and move about, but she was sharp mentally. God led me to pray with her, sing his hymns to her, share pearls of wisdom and comfort with her through various LCMS publications, including Good News. Before long, a friend of Joyce's from another Christian denomination started visiting on the days when I came to see her. This woman marveled at the depth and insight gleaned from the articles in Good News. A God-given opportunity it was for sure to share our Lutheran understanding of God's holy word to those outside our church body. Joyce especially brightened up when I read the articles to her and I would sing familiar hymns. A great Christian lady indeed. She was understanding that it is Christ who is our balm. There was a third person who benefited from reading good news. It was I. Good news was God's tool to help me connect his word to the task of bringing his grace and comfort to Joyce. Joyce is now in heaven. No more pain. She is healed. A promise God kept to her. Thanks be to God and so that's the letter about good news you may be interested in the publication of good news there are 47 different issues and many of them are still available talking about baptism justification Lord's Supper prayer faith kingdom of God Law and Gospel, which obviously is one of my favorite ones, and a number of others. The last one was Hope, the Kingdom of God Gives Hope. If you're at all interested in receiving any back issues that may still be in stock or getting a subscription for $20, then here's the number to phone. It's 1-800-778-1132. And you will be surprised not only at the artwork of good news, but the wonderful messages that are found within it. Next email. Pastor Tom. Now, this had occurred after I had visited a congregation and done a seminar for a full day. It was a great pleasure meeting you, and I wanted to let you know I much appreciated appreciated hearing you preach at our church this weekend. My husband and I rarely stay for Bible study, but I was anxious to hear more. The real blessing came when our son agreed to attend your afternoon seminar. He has not been in church for several years. Your seminar provided an opportunity for him to hear some of the arguments for Christianity in such a way that he was willing to talk further. The pastor has made several previous attempts to reach out to him but his efforts were in in vain due to our son's lack of interest in organized religion, among other excuses. I am overwhelmed with gratitude over the sacrifice of time that you made by meeting with him and my husband and me following your seminar. Seeing God's love in action is a real heartwarming experience. We have watched other adults lose their patience with my son, ourselves included, because of his strong will and arrogance. What impressed me most was how you were both willing to stay the course with him, asking questions, providing answers, rebuking and loving him all at the same time. You have been given a wonderful gift. I want to thank you for accepting the call to serve. Our family felt truly blessed as a result. Now I want to make it very clear that the reason I'm a good teacher is because I read items like the Good News publication and many other books that sometimes are not that available for the lay people by theologians, sometimes they're deep in the sense that if you don't know the Greek and the Hebrew, you might not be able to understand it. But it is these insights that I learn about, and then I always like to put them in a sermon. So that's my goal, is to have every sermon do two things. One of them is to say something that people have never heard before. And the other thing is to end every sermon with the gospel. All right. Dear Pastor Baker, another email. I wanted to thank you for the broadcast when you are going over the hymn. Both my husband and I were listening to it yesterday. We've been having huge money problems with our business. We don't know what God has for us, but we have such a passion for the gospel and encouraging people with God's word so their faith grows. That's really all that matters. Now, that's a wonderful email. Because as we say, when you are a Christian, it doesn't mean that you won't be going through times of tension, times of stress, times of grief. And in this case, they were having huge money problems with their business. Statistics show that many businesses go out of business and particularly during these two years with the virus, it's not at all unusual to see businesses closed down, no cars in the parking lot. And that's because people aren't going out because of the virus. And it's also because a lot of businesses need employees and they can't get them because there is money available through the government so you don't have to go to work and you can pretty well take care of yourself now we're not against the government giving funds to those in need but i haven't been able to figure out why there still is a number of those unemployed when you can go down any street and see stores looking for employees we just got a note from the post office that due to the virus due to the lack of workers it is now taking the post office not one or two days to send a first class mail but you can expect it up to five days to send a first class mail now we send out Glad tidings, which is non-profit, and so that takes even longer. In fact, the September glad tidings did not arrive in certain people's homes until October. But if you're interested in knowing more about Concordia Mission Society and our mission outreach overseas, uh, we just gave a gift of over two hundred thousand dollars to a mission society to help them get a hold of me at law and gospel at law and gospel 101.com and our goal is to continue to speak about how law and gospel really makes a difference in understanding scripture so on monday We'll be talking about another Bible passage that is to be read on the following Sunday. And our goal is to show you how long gospel makes a big difference. I'm Tom Baker. Thank you for listening. God bless you.
1: Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit Law and Gospel101.com or call toll-free 877 267 1962